What is something that you've wanted for a long time but never received? Maybe when you were a kid, you wanted a pony or maybe a Red Ryder BB gun with a compass in the stock and a little thing that tells time. Or maybe your dreams are a little bit deeper. Maybe you have been wanting for a long time just to have a job where you were not constantly frustrated. Or maybe you just want to have a father who is proud of you. Or maybe you're, you're waiting for the day when you won't have that overwhelming sadness about the person you've loved and lost. Advent is the season of waiting. We, for four weeks, we wait symbolically for the first coming of Christ as we sing carols about uh, baby Jesus in the manger and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men who were around and saw him. But heaven is also about waiting in real time for the second coming of Christ when Jesus will return and uh, he will judge the living and the dead and then usher us into a new world. Advent is both of those things. And for the four Sundays of Advent, which start today, we're going to be looking at the birth narratives uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And today we're going to start with the first story that Luke tells, which is a story not about Mary and Joseph, but actually about relatives of theirs, uh, and specifically Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was a priest in Israel when it was under the rule of the Roman Empire. And in that time, it was, it was every Israelite's hope that Israel would be restored to its former glory. When, it was, when the nation was powerful and free under the kings, uh, David and Solomon, so that was a regular prayer that they would, they would pray when they came to the temple. And Zechariah was a godly man, and he, he gets chosen to go into the temple, into the holy place, the place where only select priests can go to offer incense and to pray for the nation. But as we're going to see, as Zechariah goes to do this duty, he also brings with him a personal prayer. See, Zechariah is an old man. Uh, tradition tells us, not necessarily the Bible, but tradition, uh, tradition tells us that he may have actually already been into his 90s at this point in his life. And his wife, Elizabeth, is an old woman, and they have never been able to conceive. And they have always wanted to have a child. And so Zechariah takes that prayer with him into the temple and God hears Zechariah's prayers and surprises him by giving him what he wants and so much more and so if you're able would you please stand as we read this story the book of Luke starting in verse 5 hear the word of God in the days of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child 
because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his duty, division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you do not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. This is God's word for God's people and for the good of the world. Please be seated. Zechariah is the first person in the New Testament to speak to an angel. And you just imagine the scene, right? He's there in the, in the temple. He's lit the incense. He's praying. And he's supposed to be alone, right? No one else is allowed to enter into the holy place. And yet, as he's praying, he suddenly senses a presence. And he looks over, and it's an angel. And, and what is the first thing that angels always say to people when they appear in the Bible? I always say what? Do not be afraid. Apparently, angels are not like what you would see on a Hallmark Christmas card. They're, right? They're not little cute babies with wings. They're, seems like they are much more ferocious warriors. They're majestic and glorious and, and inspire fear among people. And, and, and God has sent this angel to tell Zechariah good news. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Now, one of the things that is lingering in the back of this story is the idea that God wants us to persevere in prayer. Now, imagine how long Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. 50, 60, 70 years, maybe. And imagine how painful it must have been for them that God had not answered their prayer, especially in a culture that viewed childlessness as a kind of a curse, right? They kind of assumed that if you could not have a child that God was judging you for something that you had done. Yet this was not the case with God, right? God had not stopped listening to them. He hadn't gotten tired of hearing that same prayer. See, I think part of our problem when it comes to prayer and why we don't pray, why we don't persevere in prayer is that we, we kind of think God is like us, right? Because 
you and I get tired <laughs> when we hear the same things over and over, right? When grandpa tells the same stories over and over. Or, or our kids give us the same requests or questions. Mommy, when is Santa Claus coming? It's cute the first three times, but the 20th time, not as cute. And yet, God is not like us. He doesn't get tired of our questions. He doesn't get tired of our requests. In fact, I think he likes it when we're persistent. You know, one of my favorite parables in the Bible is the, the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. In the story that Jesus tells, uh, he tells about this widow who comes to court every day to, to ask for justice from her enemy, her adversary. And the judge there, uh, Jesus says, is, is a judge who neither fears God nor man. In other words, he doesn't really care about people or about justice or really about the law, right? He's just kind of going about his job. And, and so when this, this widow comes, he has no compassion for her. He doesn't really care, and he just sends her on her way, right? Get out of here. But then the next day she comes back and pleads for justice. It's not, no, no, go away. She keeps coming back. Finally, he gets so fed up that he literally says, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That's a weird story, isn't it? But here's the kicker. The kicker is that Luke tells us that Jesus told this parable to the effect that, to his disciples, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Which means what? If this is a parable about prayer, <laughs> who are we in the prayer? We're, we are the widow. And God is the unjust judge. Which makes the story even weirder, doesn't it? Right? Because then, the, then all the questions come. Is, is Jesus telling us that we can wear God down by our prayers? Or is he telling us that God doesn't really care about us, but, but if, we will, if we will just keep coming, that eventually he'll get us what we want so that we'll go away? Well, clearly Jesus is not saying that God is an unjust judge, right? God's very nature is justice. This is a case where Jesus is comparing and contrasting, and maybe kind of with his tongue in his cheek a little bit, right? Because he's saying, look at this corrupt judge, right? He has people ask him for things. He's able to give justice like God, but how much greater is your heavenly father than this judge? Where the judge delays in giving justice, God gives justice right on time. See, God loves when we show faith by continuing to pray for things, even when God hasn't answered our prayers yet. Zachariah and Elizabeth have been praying for a child and, and has shown great faith by continuing to pray despite the disappointment. And yet, when God finally does answer their prayer, what happens? Zachariah doesn't believe it, does he? He 
can't believe he's finally getting what he's praying for. Verse 18, he says, how shall I know this? Right? <laughs> My wife and I were old. Not really possible. What does Gabriel say? Dude, I've been in the presence of God. He sent me here to tell you this. And then he says, because you didn't believe me, you're going to be stricken mute until this child is born. This is the thing about prayer. God responds to our faith. But even in his goodness, he works despite our doubt. Again, part of the problem with our prayers is that Oftentimes, we don't really believe that God is powerful enough to answer them, right? We pray about things a lot of times because we, we know we, we should, we ought to do it. But do we really believe that God can't answer prayer? And the reality is, according to the Bible, is that God does answer prayer. In fact, he's always listening to us, always ready to respond. And he either responds with a yes, a no, or a wait. The problem is sometimes we don't know which he's answering us with, right? For Zachariah and Elizabeth, for so long, it seemed to be a no, but now they're learning oh, it was actually a wait, and now it's becoming a yes for them. But we might ask the question, why doesn't God just answer yes to our prayers? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? right? For one, if he answered yes to everything, <laughs> they, our, our prayers are often contradictory. They can't all be answered. But, but we know he doesn't tell us no because he doesn't love us, right? The Bible tells us that he, he does love his people and loves to give us good gifts, right? For you parents, you know how much joy it, it gives you to give gifts to your children, I love the joy on my kids' faces when I've given them a, a gift that they really wanted. It's better than anything gift that I can get. And Jesus says, you earthly fathers, though you are evil, though you love to give good gifts, how much more your heavenly Father loves to give his children good gifts. Now, the answer to why God doesn't always give us what we want is either that we've, we've asked for the wrong thing or that he's withholding something good in order to give us something better, right? I learned that lesson a long time ago from one of Oklahoma's premier theologians, Garth Brooks, right? There's this song, Unanswered Prayer, where he, he talks about how he had this high school sweetheart, and he would pray that she would be the one and they would be able to get married, and then she broke up with him. Right? And then all these years later, he's back in his hometown going to a football game, and he's with his wife and children, and he sees his old high school girlfriend, and he realizes that what he has is the best he can imagine. And uh, God had withheld something good to give him something better. God does that. But, but here's the question we might ask when we look at Zechariah. Can our doubts ruin our prayers? And there's an interesting verse in the book of James in the New Testament. James is talking about how we should ask for wisdom, and he says that we should ask in faith with no doubting. 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So it seems to be that if we doubt, that God is not going to answer our prayer. But with Zechariah, he clearly doubts, right? And yet God still answers his prayer. And that begs the question, what, is, what does James mean when he says, not doubt? You should pray and not doubt. Well, there are, there's a good kind of doubting, isn't there? There's a kind of doubting that is actually an important part of spiritual growth, right? That, that helps us to, to not blindly follow whatever we're told. It's the kind of doubt that helps search for actual answers to the big questions in life helps us to own our faith for ourselves, right? It's, that's why as, as parents, we shouldn't panic when our children begin to, to question their faith, right? They, they need to do that so that their faith is their own, not just built on our faith. And there are really two kinds of doubts, I think. The, there's the kind of doubt that proceeds from a heart wanting to know the truth. But then there's the kind of doubt that proceeds from a heart that really doesn't want to know the truth or wouldn't believe it if, even if it found it, right? The first kind of doubt is, is a part of, of finding faith. The second kind of doubt is basically unbelief, right? It's, it's the person who goes to confession out of duty, never intending to stop committing those sins. It's the, it's the person who throws up a prayer out of desperation but immediately thinks, oh, that'll never work. If you don't pray with faith that God can answer you, I would argue that it's not really prayer. It's just a bunch of words, right? Only prayer that comes from faith is true prayer and thus able to be answered. Yet here's the thing. Prayer is never simply transactional, right? God doesn't give us things because of what we bring to him. Right? We, he never owes us an answer. He never owes us what we ask for. Right? We can never force his hand by our actions or, or our law-keeping or if we, if we word the prayer just right, he's got he's to grant it. No. It's always a gift when God answers our prayers, when he gives us good things. That's why, that's why Paul says in Philippians 1, do not be anxious about any, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be know, made known to God. Notice, notice those three actions, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Why thanksgiving? Well, that's a recognition <laughs> That answered prayers is a gift of grace to us, right? So Paul's saying, pray about everything and anything, but while you're doing it, recognize when God does answer your prayers and be thankful for that. And so the last thing I want to see from this story is that God's gifts are always bigger than our goals, right? Zechariah had been waiting his whole life for a child, but he is also part of the people who had been waiting for thousands of years, really, since the Garden of Eden, really, 
for a Messiah to come to crush the head of Satan and to destroy sin and death. And look at what Gabriel says about the son that Zechariah is going to have. He says, many will rejoice at his birth. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Who was Zechariah's son? It was John the Baptist, whose calling was to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah, to come and to minister and to work. Everything that John did was was to prepare, to show people that there was a greater one that was coming and that they needed to get ready for him. Many would rejoice at John's birth, but the whole world would rejoice at Jesus' birth. See, God's plan is always bigger than our plan and even bigger than our hopes and dreams. One of the things I love about the Bible is how in the Old Testament, uh, it just drops, the writers of the Old Testament, they drop all these clues about who the Messiah is going to be, right? And so, so people were expecting different things. Some were expecting a king who would come and rule Israel. Some were expecting a prophet like Moses to come. And when Jesus comes, he's a prophet but he's also a priest, he is also a king. Some were looking for a strong leader, but what they actually got was God in the flesh. Some were looking for a suffering servant, but they got a savior who suffered for all of their sins. God hears our prayers, he loves to answer them, but he also loves to give us more than we could ever ask or imagine. Right? He hears Zachariah's prayer. He gives him what he asked for, but more importantly, he gives him a savior. His gifts are greater than our goals and our wants. You, you may not get everything that you want in this life, but you can have the greatest gift imaginable, a relationship with the savior of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we confess that we so often take a relationship with you and with your son Jesus for granted. But if we understood how great that privilege is, we would be undone. We'd be overcome with joy and thanksgiving. Father, your goodness overwhelms us and we pray that you would help us to treasure our relationship with you that we might find our deepest joy and contentment in you uh, that we would be moved to persevere in prayer to meet you in prayer to, to have more of you and be closer to you Father will you do that for us as we come to you in faith. Help us to not doubt. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.